Well, good evening. There was definitely something true there that Stephen said he did kind of pounce it on me. But, um, but you know, I have to say thank you sincerely for the invitation to come because, oh goodness, I didn't think I would cry this early on. But, um, do you know, a friend of mine testified a number of years ago and one of the first things she said was along the lines of, thank you because I'm so glad that I could look back over my life and look at the testimony of Jesus through my life to see what he has done and the encouragement that it is, the encouragement that it is and that it brings to your heart when you start to look at all those Ebenezers, at all those times that God has proved himself faithful and it has been a long dark valley for me personally for a long while. I've been in the valley and it's been a hard time and it's been a dark time, but see when you go to the Word of God and see when you look back over your life and you begin to look at those testimonies of the faithfulness of God and the hand of God. And it led to conversations, oh gosh, I'm getting ahead of myself, but it led to conversations with my family this week that I was able to have an opening of the gospel that I haven't had for years with my brothers. So, you know, I do sincerely thank Stephen for pouncing on me um, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, he just asked me to, to give a testimony. He said, take a couple of days to pray about it. And I was like, okay. And then I let on that it wasn't going to be, you know, it's very strange to be on this side of the mic because usually I'm the one in our fellowship down the back that Sharon does. So um, it's a bit odd to be on this side, but I'm not normally shy of a few words. So um it is a privilege to be able to stand and give a word of testimony. And I am very, very grateful. I would just would like to just buy in a, a quick word of prayer. Um, so let's just pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your presence tonight. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness and for your faithfulness and for your mercy. I thank you, Lord, for the privilege it is to be amongst your people, for the privilege it is and the honor it is, Lord, to have a testimony. Lord, I thank you from the bottom of my heart, and I will be eternally grateful, Lord, that I have a testimony of Jesus Christ in this life and of your faithfulness to me personally. I have proven you, and you've proven to be faithful every step of the way. And Lord, I thank you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that, oh God, Lord, that in everything, Lord, that you would be honored tonight. Lord, that you would have the preeminence. Lord, that you would have all the glory. Lord, that you would have your way in every heart in this place. And Lord, you'd hide me far behind that cross, that none be seen save Jesus only. Lord, have your way in this place. We ask for your help. We ask for your anointing. We ask for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I say, you know, I am very grateful to be able to give a word of testimony. And it's very important to come to the house of God with the testimonies, with the the stories and the, the testimonies and the witnesses to the victories that God has brought into lives. Because there will come a time where, and I often tell our young people, we must write these things down. Because there comes a time where it's dark and it's lonely and it's hard. And in the depth of the valley, in the dark night of the soul, where we struggle to believe that God can break through for us again. And see being able to go over, um, as I've already said, just the testimonies of God's faithfulness, the Ebenezer's, in my life of the faithfulness of God. And I confess, I am usually one to digress. So I, um, I began just sort of over the week to look at what testimony meant in the Bible. What is a testimony? What does that mean? What does that look like? And I, 
started doing a Bible study on testimonies rather than looking into my own testimony. But it was a real, um, it was a real joy. I ended up sitting up quite late one night, um, just looking at the testimony of God. And I thank God for his word. Even tonight, I thank God we sang that song, I Have a Shepherd. That was a confirmation of the testimony. Not only was that, but as Stephen prayed, you know, that testimony in the Old Testament was the Ark of the Covenant in his, with his people in the Holy of Holies, and it was a sign of his presence, it was a sign of his blessing, and it was a sign of his glory. And that is where the testimony, the word testimony, is first seen in Scripture, is the Ark of his Covenant, the sign of his presence, that that we as his children carry the presence of God, not through anything of what we are or what we have done, but that I can say that I am a child of God, I am redeemed by the King of Kings, by the precious blood of the Lamb. So, you know, as I say, that is what a testimony is. It's just the story of somebody's experience of God. It's the story of somebody's life-changing, life-altering, soul-destiny-changing experience of God because God desires to meet with his people. But how much greater even than in the New Testament, how much how much greater in the New Covenant that we have the promises of God to claim that are yea and amen in Christ and Christ alone. You know, and in scripture it talks about our sins testify against us, but now the blood of the lamb testifies on my behalf that I am his and he is mine. So me, I am Victoria. I am uh, from near Downpatrick. I, I grew up and I am 29 and um, there's lots of things, you know, that we can say about ourselves and lots of, you know, we all have histories, we all have backgrounds. Um, but I am glad to say that I was brought up in a home that we went to church. It was a very church family. We went to church Sunday, Sunday afternoon. We were at the Brethren Sunday School, which I loved. It was the first place I saw the love and the sincerity of a devotion to the Lord. When at nine years of age, I can remember one of my elderly Sunday School teachers just sharing about the cross and sharing about what Christ suffered through. There were no flashcards. There were no, there was no singing. There was no, well, there was singing. There was no music. There were no flashcards. There was no, no provisions of any kind and no sense. It was just a simple word of God. But I have such treasured memories in that little brethren hall of seeing men of God just come faithfully every week and teach the boys and girls of which I was one. And I saw Alec began to almost weep as he thought about what Christ had gone through for him and for us. And I saw, this means something to him. This is real to him. He, this is not just church. This is not just going on a Sunday. This is not just religion. But he loves this Jesus. And I remember being so conscious of that. I was eight or nine years of age. You know, as I say, we were brought to everything going. Every night of the week was some church activity in one church or another. And... Um, I'm so glad to say that at the age of around four or five, I don't remember that night, but I testified subsequently to my friends at school um, that I had got saved, and I was about four or five years old. And I thank God for the timing of all of that. Um, and I thank God, you know, I'll be referencing a few scriptures tonight, but one in particular, which is my testimony, is um, it's seen in Ezra and it's seen in Nehemiah, 
that idea of the good hand of my God being upon me. It's in Ezra um, 2, verse 18, Nehemiah as well. It says, by the good hand of our God upon us. And Nehemiah was able to build up the walls in Ezra and the contemporaries. But it says, the hand of my God, which was good upon me. And that is my testimony. You know, that the hand of God in my life to keep me and to shield me from going down multitudes of paths that I shouldn't have. And I thank the Lord, even in all my faltering and all my feelings and all the rest of it, that he was faithful in all of it. But it was the hand of God on my life and I can claim none of it. Well, even as a young child, you know, I was um, always considered a little bit different. Um, it caused the lament sometimes of my mother because she would say, I don't understand you. I don't understand. You just are different. You're just different. And, you know, and I remember times, you know, because in our house, you know, it wasn't that, you know, that there would have been the Bible opened every day or, you know, it was very much you bring your Bible to church and you pop it back in the cupboard after, you know, and then you see it again next Sunday. But we were sent to everything and we heard the gospel from very young and the Lord saved me when I was that age. But that is not where the testimony ends. That's actually really only where it begins. Because actually, you know, he taught me how to worship. I remember making up worship songs to the Lord. And I just thought I was singing to the Lord, thanking him. Um, but I was sing- swinging on our swing Sunday mornings outside in the garden, just singing to the Lord. None the wiser that that's worship, that that's what that is, that, that that's being taught of the Lord. You know, the innocency of being a child, of not having a song per se, but just thanking the Lord for what he'd done. And he taught me to worship. You know, at the age of eight or nine, I, you know, as I say, we were brought to everything going. And uh, I was an avid reader. I still am when I get the time. And I remember reading the um, the life story or the testimony of Jim Elliot. And I'm sure many have heard of Jim Elliot and Elizabeth Elliot, his widow. Um, but Jim Elliot was the one to say he is no fool to give up what he cannot keep to gain, what he cannot lose. And the story of his life and his testimony of how he and the others who had went to serve the Lord among the Aka Indians in Peru that he had died in his mid-twenties, along with the others. They, they were killed by, by those that they had gone to reach with the gospel. And I remember as clear as day that the Lord spoke into my life, that he had a call upon my life, that he called, was calling me to full-time service for him, that he wanted me to work with children and young people, and that would be what my life's work would be. And I was only a child at the time, but I, I knew from that point on that the call of God was on my life. And I, I thank God for that, even for the knowledge of it and for the sense of it. And he continued to teach me and he continued, you know, there were many times, I failed many times. Oh, dear goodness, I was, you know, as a teenager, I was absolutely awful. Take courage, parents whose teenagers say all manners of things and they don't mean it. And say all manners of things and 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 act rebelliously and and do things and say things that you know now I was still we were all still going to church you know absolutely I was still going to church still serving the Lord still as involved as anyone could be at any stage I was still you know going to church but my life didn't resemble that in the home my life didn't resemble that of someone who was saved my life was um very mixed up very confused very angry um real hurt that were very real um, which led to um, becoming quite seriously depressed in my later teen years. 
and realizing or believing the lie of the enemy that, well, this life isn't really worth much anyway. Still going to church, still doing all the right things, still saying all the right things. Nobody in school knew. I was bubbly. I was outgoing. I loved life. And I was, you know, and that's, I mean, anyone knows, most people, I say I'm called Victoria, but most people call me Vic um, because they're just like, that's just Vic. That's how she just gets on. And that is usually how I get on. But I, you know, was hiding um, self-harm and and real, real deep struggles. I had no walk with God. I, I didn't know what it meant to walk with God. Um and I struggled very, very deeply to the point of where I had thoughts of life not worth living and was very, very low. And I remember texting my sister one day, not saved, you know, and I'd come home from a night out with her and I'd begun to compromise so deeply um, and compromising in what I knew to be right and thought, well, if I just go with my sister, like it's my sister and, you know, wanted to go out with her, wanted to spend time with her because I thought, I mean, I idolized my big sister. I'm one of five, so I am the youngest. I'm the baby. Um, as my mother says, I'm a big baby, but um, I have three older brothers and then my sister is the eldest. And so I began to um, head out with her and didn't drink, didn't take alcohol, um, because I believed, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just going out with her. I'm not. And then that became, you know, that one little step then became a couple steps and then became, you know, and I thank God for his hand again on my life that it didn't really go much further than that. There was a few times that I did take a few drinks with her, but I just felt so convicted. I just knew this isn't the world that I am a part of. This isn't this isn't what I've been saved for. This is, you know, and, and that compromise was what primarily led to the, the depth of the despair and the depth of, of the, the depression that I was experiencing because I really thought, well, I'm, what's the point? Like, this life seems to be going nowhere and I, I'm not really worth anything. And, you know, but again, it was the Lord through his word and in his mercy, you know, he doesn't leave us where we are. And even sometimes when we push him away, and we say, no, I don't want that, or no, I'm, I'm done with it. I can't, because it just, it, you know, whatever it is. But in his mercy, he comes again, and he speaks again. And he used his word. He used his word to show me self-worth. Now, that is not to say that, you know, oh, that I am worthy and all those things. But actually, it was to show me that the value that of anything is the price that one is willing to pay for it. And he showed me in his word that the value of my life, the value of my soul, was the very life of the Son of God. And he showed me in his mercy that he loves me. He loved me and he will love me regardless of how I feel or act or am. He loves me because he is love. Not because I draw that love out of him by being a great person or anything of those things. It's not, we can't earn brownie points of God. We can't earn salvation. We can't earn these gifts of God because they're freely given because he's paid the price. And he showed me in his words, and I can still take you to the little bright green Bible <laughs> that he used one night when I was lying, just really despairing, thought there's no point in living anymore. Didn't really want to wake up. Didn't really want to get out of bed. Didn't want to engage with anybody. Didn't want to see anybody. Was so low. I was 17, 18. You know, everything to live for. Brought up in a stable home. Brought up in, 
all those things, but still, you know, the lie of the enemy. The lie of the enemy says, well, you're worth nothing anyway. Well, sure, what, what can you do? What are you worth? All those things. But through his word, because his word, so the entrance of his word brings light. And it gives understanding to the simple. <laughs> and I'm so glad when his word comes, it sheds light on all those lies and all that darkness and all those shadows that the enemy would seek to plant in our lives and in our minds. Because the battle's in here. The battle for life, the battle for faith is in here. It's not, you know, always in the physical. It's so often in, in the battles in the mind. And I can say, since Stephen asked me to testify, this has, this week has been a battle. It has been a roller coaster. It has been a battle because they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony and the word of their testimony, the testimony of Jesus Christ. The enemy doesn't want to hear people give their testimonies because he knows that by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimonies, that is how he is overcome. In every battle, in every, in every valley, in every darkness, that you bring God's word into, you bring that light of the gospel into your heart. You know, into, if you're not saved tonight, you know that we don't realize that we're not saved. We don't really, you know, it's, this says that the enemy has blinded the minds of them that believe not. See when the light of the glorious gospel is shone into your heart. See in the depth of a valley when the light of the gospel, when the light of his word comes. And even, even today, I'm getting my head myself again, but even today, you know, began to sort of get a little bit nervous and think, right, what am I? Because I was so conscious. I didn't want this to be about me. I didn't want this to be about Victoria McDowell. I am not shy of a few words and I can speak to anybody and all. But I didn't want it to be about me. I wanted to honor the Lord. And so I was so conscious. I said, Lord, what should I say? What should I keep in? What should I exclude? Because there are things that are secret testimonies that only you and the Lord know. And then there are things that you can share and things that, you know, are honoring to people that you don't share. But even this morning, you know, and I'm just even going to read it actually, because there's a verse that's very precious to me in Psalm 68. And I was looking at it and then my my eyes went down the chapter and it said in verse 11, the Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those that published it. And I went, the Lord gave the word. He's going to give that word tonight. You know, our testimonies, they are living. They are sure. The testimonies of the Lord are sure because we can prove them every single day. But anyhow, I'm getting ahead of myself again. But um, yeah, when I was 17, 18, you know, and the Lord had already had his hand on my life. The Lord had already kept me from things that, you know, like I think of one particular instance where I had begun to open myself up to, again, I say as an avid reader, I read anything, anything going, anything and everything. And I had been recommended particular books by um, actually the fellow that led the worship in our scriptural union in school. So I thought, no, no problem. These are fictional books. He's the one that recommended me. So I'm 100%. It'll be grand. But you know what? They were nothing short of demonic. They were dark as dark can be. And I thought, these are harmless. They're just fiction. They're not real. But again, the lies and deceit of the enemy. Be careful the influences that you let in your lives, especially young ones. You know, be careful what you're reading, what you're listening to, what you're watching. You know, we have to be so careful of the things that we let into our minds because they can get a stronghold. 
and it can take a real a real battle to win the victory over those strongholds and break those down in our minds and I began to have recurring nightmares I couldn't ever speak to my parents about it I didn't tell anyone about it but they were very very real they were very very terrifying and they were very dark and I realized there was nothing I could do about it but I didn't know what to do or didn't know you know we were brought up in church and brought up, but actually I had no real knowledge of the word. I hadn't proved it. I hadn't lived it. I could quote scripture till I was blue in the face, but actually to have that living reality of proving his word, not just knowing it intellectually, but actually living it out. And um, the Lord actually gave me a dream one night. And in it, he, he well, the short version of it is, is that he gave me an ultimatum. And he told me to choose that day who I would serve, whether it would be him or whether it would be the enemy. And I knew I was never getting another choice. I was never getting another option. That much was clear. It was the voice of God. And I knew it was in reference in those books. I knew it was in reference in what I was reading and all those. And I, I just thought, I woke up from the dream. I knew, I knew what I had to be. I got rid of all the books. And I chose the Lord. And see, from that day, and the reason I know it was from the Lord is because, A, it was so vivid, so real, and the voice of God was so audible and so tangible. And the effect that it had on my life. You know, there's plenty of, there's a lot of nonsense that happens in the name of the Holy Spirit today. But when things draw us closer to the Lord, when things cause us to walk with the Lord, that is the Lord. Because he is, he's not going to condemn us. He's not going to say, well, look at you, look at how you feel. Look, he's going to convict us in his mercy. By his Holy Spirit, he's going to come in that conviction and come in that convicting power. Because we can't even cause an anxious thought within ourselves. We can't even convict ourselves of our own sin, let alone anyone else. And so got rid of all the books, got rid of all, all of the stuff. And the nightmares stopped. Never once more did I have another one. And I knew that the Lord had answered the cry of this heart. I don't think I'd even audibly prayed about it. But the Lord knew my need. And, you know, there were, there were times like that. You know, maybe not as, as audible or tangible, but times where the unseen hand of God kept me, held me, strengthened me, gave grace to face things that no child should ever face. And... Seeing the hand of God and even being able to share with my brother this week, you know, it says the hand of God on my life, the hand of God on my life that I'm standing here. Because see, when I was 17, 18, see if the Lord hadn't spoken into my life, I don't believe I would be here today. Not just not in a church. I don't believe I would be above the ground. And so the hand of God, the hand of God on a life, because it's not us that save us. And it's not us to keep us. No running about to meetings left, right and centre all over the country, which is what I did as soon as I got my licence. I was out of there. I was at meetings up and down the country. I was at everything going. And the Lord knows the exact time to bring the right people into your life. And what I mean by that is it was just six weeks or so, seven weeks after I had got my uh, driving test which, you know, it's that newfound freedom of every 17, 18-year-old that just loves to get out and about and, you know, all the... I was loving it. I was helping in kids' meetings. I had um, 
things on every night of the week was just always my my way. And then one Sunday, uh, our minister was away in the church that I grew up in. And mom and I decided to, to go somewhere else. And so I thought, right, well, where will we go? And we'll find this place online. And this is going to be the very shortened version of it because I, I personally love the testimony of how I came to the church that I'm in now because it was just the Lord. I had never heard of it before. I had never seen it before. I didn't know anybody who went to it, had been to it, nothing at all. Find this website online, looked at the beliefs and, you know, okay, they're mission oriented. Okay, the, the mission, the gospel is important. Okay, that's brilliant. So we planned to go that morning. We were late, as is the tendency for our family. And I was planning to go then to my brethren hall that Sunday evening to, to see my old Sunday school teachers. When I got there, the door was locked. Not just closed, but actually physically locked. Tried to get in, rattled a couple of times, and then was scundered and ran away. So I thought, right, I'm in, I'm going to say Drummond which none of you probably will have heard of. But Drummond is about five, not even ten minutes away from Balmahinch. I thought, that church is in Balmahinch, and it's only ten past eight, or ten past six. Right, I must, I'll go. And I ended up going on my own. And I thank the Lord that it happened that way because I was able to spend time afterwards. I was able to just sit and I was, I think, the first new person in a while. So I had lots of people come up to me and made me feel so welcome. And, you know, and that's so important. That's so lovely. But the main thing that drew me was the presence of the Lord. It was realizing this, this place is different. This is different than anything I've ever experienced. And it, I just knew it to be the Lord. And that was back in 20, 2010, back in the, in the August 2010. And the verse that I referenced a little bit earlier in Psalm 68, in verse 6 it says, God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those that are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in dry land. I can tell you, I was a solitary one. And he put me in a family, the family of God. And he gave me a place in that family and allowed me and gave me the grace to serve, gave me the grace to help, gave me the grace to be a part of and to know my place and to know my part in that family. Because as my pastor I was preaching the other week, you know, we can attend lots of places, we can attend lots of appointments, you know, like you referenced, you can attend the doctors or attend the dentists, not that you necessarily want to or that it's, you know, pleasant. But the word says that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together and actually to assemble with the people of God. There is power when the God's people come together in unity of heart and unity of spirit that when God's people come together to seek his face, to meet with him, that he's there and he's promised to be there. And um, and I am so glad, you know, because at that stage I was, again, you know, nobody really had known about about where I had been emotionally. And I was so glad that the Lord all of a sudden just plopped me right in the middle of a family. And I am going to start crying. I am just so grateful and I will forever be grateful to those that obey the call of the Lord to plant that work there, to those that obey the call of the Lord to go there and that were just a family to me. And we're like, what scripture says, I can't, I've lived that verse that he places a solitary in families, that this, this gathering of God's people is the family of God. It is the body of Christ. And 
to be part of that is something so unique and so special. There is nothing like it in the world. There are many faiths, many religions, many gods, but there is no God like our God. There is, there is no place so unique as the assembling of God's people together. And where he presences himself, there's nowhere more beautiful or nowhere more appealing to be. And, and so I am so grateful, you know, and again, there's so many scriptures that, that are so precious to me. But in Psalm 77, verse 20, and I was so grateful that we sang, um, that I have a, a shepherd one I love so well, because I would encourage us all to prove the Lord. There are elements of his nature and his character that that he shows us individually. I know there are, are some that that just are so amazed at his, that he is the healer, that are so grateful that he is the, you know, that he is our forgiver. He is our intercessor. He is our advocate. You know, and you could go on and on, but he is my shepherd. And I am so glad that where he leads, there is no shadow of, of danger or there is no, there's nothing can harm me when Jesus leads the way. And I am so grateful that we, that he allows us to prove him, that he allows us and shows us who he is and shows us what he can do, that he chooses to use frail vessels like us who are nothing really. (laughs) Do you know, there are mighty men, there are great leaders, there are but that he chooses to use those that the world sees as weak and frail. Because really, in the eyes of God, the wisdom of man is, is utter foolishness anyway. But he chooses to use us in our workplaces, amongst our families, amongst the unsaved. You know, wherever you are, if you're a stay-at-home mom, in the shops, on the street, in, in that closet, in that secret closet. You know, wherever you are, that God has a place and a purpose for us all to serve. And I am so grateful that I can say he is my shepherd and he is a truer friend than any. And it's only, you know, Jesus alone can meet the needs of my heart. And we rely on people so often. We were, we rely on, on our feelings. Goodness gracious me. If I, <laughs> this week has been a tumultuous week of feelings and nerves and all those things. But see, when he comes and Job says, you know, when he speaks quietness, who then can make trouble? When he brings peace, it's it's like no one can understand. And I am so grateful. You know, that was 2010. There's been, I started to write out, you know, the testimonies of God. I, I thank God for, for good teaching. I thank God for his, his mercy and for, you know, that he showed me even in those times of such darkness that he is my redeemer. That that is where your worth, my worth lies, is that the very Lamb of God the one who all the angels worship, the creator of heaven and earth, that he deigns to, to want to meet with us, even as, as Stephen came to share in our, our youth again a couple of weekends ago, you know, the, the majesty of heaven would be contracted to a man who would live on this earth, who would suffer and die in my place. Why? Because the redemption of my soul is precious. Because the redemption of your soul is precious. You know, I would encourage you tonight, if you, if you don't know the Lord, there is no one worth knowing like Jesus. There is no one like him. There is no other God that deserves anything. There is no, there is no other God 
There's, there's nothing else to worship. There's nothing else to chase after. He, there is no God like our God. There is no one that can save outside of him. There is no one that can speak peace like he can. I remember driving home one day and I was dreading it. Absolutely dreading it. Driving home from church and I just knew what I were waiting for me when I was getting home in early 20s. And I just was. And I remember the tangible peace of God filling my car. And I knew no matter what I walked into, it didn't matter. Because when God walks with you, there is nothing like it. And I have walked so far from him at times. And I have walked so far off. But in his mercy, you know, like it says in that, you know, when I would wander from the path astray, then he will draw me back into the way. In the darkest valley, I need fear no ill, for he, my shepherd, will be with me still. You know, I'm so glad tonight that I have a testimony. I am so glad, you know, that no matter there are, there are prayers still unanswered, there are desires still unmet, there are needs in my life, but he will be faithful. He is faithful and he will be faithful and he's proven himself to be more, more than enough. And, you know, and for each of us who, who are saved, you know, may he draw us closer, may, may he show us more of himself and, and help us to see more of him because, you know, like, like I think of that woman with the issue of blood, you know, she was, she was crippled over. She was just looking inward. She was looking down. But see, when you look up and you see, there is one who is interceding in the glory. There is one who is advocating on, on your behalf in this very moment. And I just thank God, you know, his, it is his mercy because there is, there is nothing, there is nothing of me, you know. And I just want to share the words of, um, it's a very, it's a simple poem, but it's by a lady called Frances Ridley Havergal, if that's how you pronounce her name. But um, it's called The Unfailing One says, he who hath led will lead all through the wilderness. He who hath fed will feed. He who hath blessed will bless. He who hath heard thy cry will never close his ear. He who hath marked thy faintest sigh will not forget thy tear. He loveth always, faileth never. So rest on him today forever. He who hath made thee whole will heal thee day by day. He who hath spoken to thy soul hath many things to say. He who hath gently taught, yet more will make thee known. He so wondrously hath wrought, yet greater things will show. He loveth always, faileth never, so rest on him today, forever. He who hath made thee nigh will draw thee nearer still. He who hath given the first supply will satisfy and fill. He who hath given thee grace, yet more and more will send. He who hath set thee in the race will speed thee to the end. He loveth always, faileth never, so rest on him today forever. He who hath won thy heart will keep it true and free. He who hath shown thee what thou art will show himself to thee. He who hath bid thee live and made thy life his own, life more abundantly will give and keep it his alone. He loveth always, faileth never, so rest on him today forever. Then trust him for today as thine unfailing friend, and let him lead thee all the way who loveth till the end. And let the morrow rest in his beloved hand, 
His good is better than our best, as we shall understand. If trusting him who faileth never, we rest on him today forever. Thank you. I just thank the Lord, you know, for the opportunity. And I do just pray that he would bless his word and that we speak.